Welcome to Empowered by Women for Women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired. Brought to you by Vintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. Today we are talking to South African-born Maltese resident Melissa Gatt, beautiful lady, mother of three, wife, part mermaid, good eating guru and social media influencer under the title Island Mama. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining us on Empowered. I'm so happy to be here. It's so lovely to have you here. Did I get everything right there? Uh, Yes. I don't really like to be called an influencer, though. I like to just be called a blogger because that's what I am. I don't necessarily feel like I'm doing this because I want to influence people. I'm just doing it to kind of, you know, um, relate to other moms and people who like the same stuff as I do. But um, Well, now, Melissa... That's just opened up a whole bunch of questions oh. I'm going to come to a little bit later on. But before we talk to you about being a full-time mum to beautiful four-year-old daughter, Savannah, and nearly one-year-old twins, Bowie and Sienna, and before we look at you as a vegan and a social media influencer stroke blogger, tell me how you came to be in Malta. Because uh, you're a rather long way from home from Cape Town. Yes, very long. Okay, I think I might have to give you the short version. But <laughs> the reason I ended up in Malta, because I never even knew of Malta, um, so don't judge me. But I went to France uh, in 2012 to work on the super yachts. So I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. And I went to Antibes and I needed to find a flatmate. And then a random person told me that they know of a captain that's looking for um, a flatmate, which was my husband now, Daniel. I went to a crew bar and then I met Daniel. Yeah, so we stayed together in that flat in Antibes for two weeks. And then Daniel got a job offer in Spain because I was a newbie to the yachting world. No one really wanted to um, hire me. So Daniel had the authority to actually... And a vested interest yes. as well, not just not just the authority, but, but he I, quite liked you. Exactly, I slipped my CV into his suitcase when he left. So then he called me. Hang um, on, hang on a second. This is really exciting. Were you by the time he left? Were you involved? Um, no, I just came out of a relationship. I literally broke up with my boyfriend at the airport. And then I met Daniel the day after. <gasps> so <laughs> Scandal! <Yeah. laughs> but I didn't want anything. I think Daniel did. I didn't. <laughs> he wasn't my type at all back then because he had spiky hair and he had like these skull print t-shirts and I'm very much into surfer dudes. He was, so there was no energy between the pair of you at all? Uh, well, not from my side, No. But it did, it, well, it, it came after a while when we started working together because I feel like I had to get to know him first. And I'm not really someone that believes in love at first sight. I really loved who he was and who he is. And he actually started turning into my surfer-looking dude. So <laughs> you made him ditch the, the, <laughs> the skull t-shirts. Yes. That's amazing. But of course, the story is that he's Maltese. So he is half Maltese, his dad is Maltese, and his mom is Scottish. And she moved here, I think she was probably 18 or 20 when she moved here. And she moved here for Daniel's 
dad because they met in London. So history kind of repeated itself. How awesome. Yes. <laughs> so let me ask you a question because you are a foreigner here. Yeah. Because I'm a foreigner. At times I miss where I came from. Do you miss South Africa? Every day. Every second. Yes. What do you miss the most? Everything. <laughs> I feel like I might even shed a tear when I say it, but I miss my country a lot. My country has a lot of um, bad, but I feel like the good just outweighs it. The people, the culture, the, the nature, the nature. It's something that I really miss. I miss how diverse it is as well. You go to the West Coast and you feel like you're in Greece. Then you go to the East Coast and you feel like you are in the Amazon. And then, you know, you can go to the Karoo, which is basically like um, just desert. I love the feeling of being able to just get into the car and within a few hours you can just be in a completely different setup. I do think that I miss the people the most. The people are also the reason why you kind of left. So they the best and the worst part about the country, if I can say it that way. Does that mean you don't love being in Malta? Do you love being in Malta as well? I have struggled over the years here. I don't want to, you know, sugarcoat it. I have been struggling for a while here because um, just I think nature. I think nature has been my biggest part. Um, nature and space. But safety is something that you just cannot put a price on. And I love feeling safer. And I love being able to just, you know, step out of my door and being able to go to the beach and I love the fact that we can sail here because that's a big part of our life and that's something you cannot really do in South Africa if you do it there then it's like a it's extreme sport so absolutely because of where South Africa is located exactly yeah. of course I've seen you out there enjoying the waters taking your mm -hmm. your kids out and, and we'll talk about that in just a second what do you find most challenging about being a foreigner in Malta and not necessarily in Malta but being away from home yeah I think missing home. I think that is just the thing that everyone, home is home, you know. So I think you miss your family. That's, I think that's something that every partner struggles with. We're glad that you're here. Whilst you aren't at home, you are here with us. Mm -hmm. And you have had a large influence on the Maltese community. Before we come to talk about blogger slash influencer <laughs> let's just go talk about you as a mom first because you have three young children two of whom are twins mm -hmm. and that's a lot of little ones to look yes. after so i want to just have a very honest chat about being a mom yeah I'll go for it because people don't <laughs> what are the honest challenges of being a mom you have to kind of give up your life for a few for a few years especially in the beginning you cannot have the life that you had before you had kids. And that's something that I struggled with a lot after Savannah, my first, because you cannot be prepared for the life that you are going to have after giving birth to your child. You have such a huge responsibility. There's no way that you can prepare for that. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think anyone can really prepare you for it. No books can prepare you for it. Your, your mom talking to you can't prepare you for it because you don't know what it's like. You have no idea what it's like. You need to have a baby with you 24-7, day and night. You have to know what it's like, and you're only going to know that after you have a child. My mom says to me many times, she said, I couldn't tell you 
going to be hard because you had to go through it yourself to know how hard it is. I definitely think that you should actually tell people like this is what you can prepare yourself for. Apart from losing part of your life, mm-hmm. Because you are now a mum. What are the other challenges that you can... We're going to talk about the rewards in a second. But the other (laughs) challenges that being a new mum and now being a mum of three, all of which are under the age of five, what, what are the biggest challenges? So as I said before, it was a big switch after Savannah. But I do feel like after having the twins, I kind of take it in my stride now because I know what I let myself in for twins I don't think anyone can prepare can prepare you for twins yeah it's definitely it is very tough Um, I find it much tougher now uh, with the twins just because I do not have time for every single child individually right now and I think that's a very very big part uh, that I struggle with because I can see all three of them needing my attention all three of them want to be picked up And I just cannot do it. You know, I physically cannot do it. I mean, that is a very, very difficult part. And then obviously also just trying to leave the house. When I had Savannah, I had a nice small car. And then the twins came along and everything changed. Just one child makes such a difference. Because if we had two kids, I could have kept my car. And that one child that was extra... Now I have a mom van and my my husband had to get a big truck. So we had to um, move house. So a lot of things changed. And yeah, it's just it's it's very difficult to kind of, um, you know, just go about your daily life to just maneuver. And that's obviously for the first few years. It's going to be easier down the line. But right now we are really like in the thick of it. Well, we've talked about the challenges Mm -hmm. and I can see from your face, you're like, yeah, true. Actually, this is how it is. It is not that easy. No. (laughs) What are the rewards? Well, first of all, I mean, the fact that you have three kids who love you so much and you love them so much, you know, sometimes I look at them and I just cannot believe that they are mine and Daniel's. I just cannot believe it, you know, especially the the twins, because never in my life I would have thought that there would be two babies. I just look at them sometimes and I'm like, what? I don't I don't know how this happened to me. So that's definitely a reward. Just knowing that I feel like I've just got all of this love to give and they give it back to you as well. And I do love the fact that we are a big family now. I never wanted a big family, but now I can't see it any other way. Like for me, it's exciting to think about the future and about, you know, the things that we will do as a big family. I love the fact that my kids will have each other one day and I hope and pray that they will have a strong bond one day. So I'm very happy with how things turned out and um, just love in itself, I feel like, is the reward. That's beautiful. (laughs) I want to ask you how you handle the commitment of having a family because I recently asked Rachel Kakia a similar question. How do you make it a priority or can you still make it a priority with three young children to have me time or for you and your husband to have time? How do you manage that? Or is that just not on the cards right now? Yeah, it's not on the cards right now. Like I said, I do think things will become easier down the line. We do get time every now and again because my parents are here to help. But I don't know if every single mother struggles with this, but I struggle with guilt. So when I do leave the house, I feel I feel guilty. I, I feel like I want to get back home. I need to get to the kids. You know, I don't want to leave my parents with the kids too long. Are they crying? So I am at the point now where I 
kind of put it on the back burner. We would rather do um, something else. So when the kids go to bed, we will go out to the balcony. At least we have a nice view and we will just have a meal together on the balcony, chat a bit. Um, we always like chatting about the future. So we'll just sit there and make plans. And, and me time, when the twins were newborn, I feel like I had more me time. But now they are becoming more demanding. So that is also something that's on the back burner for now. Um, but when they start school, then, you know, slowly but surely. But they're not even a year old yet. So there's still a bit of a way off before they start school. I will send them to daycare probably like within the next month or two, I think. But then, Okay, so let me challenge you this with this question then. Because you just said when you leave the house mm-hmm. and you're not with them, you feel guilty. Are you going to feel guilty when you take them to daycare? In the beginning, yes, I think I will. But I will have to get over it. I felt guilty with Savannah as well. But then I got over it because I saw how much she was enjoying it. So right now, I don't feel guilty with Savannah anymore. Because Savannah is more independent. She likes it she's used to it but with the twins there's something about babies where you just always feel like you need to hold them close and they need their mom you know they're still tiny well they're not really that tiny anymore they're almost a year old but they feel tiny to me so I feel like the first few weeks maybe month it will be difficult um but it's something that you have to push yourself to do, you know, because otherwise, I like, I really believe if you want to be a good mother, then you need to make time for yourself because otherwise things just become too uh, overwhelming. Well, that's what I was going to ask you and that's where I was leading it to because mm. I can imagine if you had a full-time commitment, not just a full-time commitment, you know, like a job, but a full-time commitment every day, all day, mm. not having moments to yourself would affect your mental health surely yeah yeah definitely definitely do you, do you feel that happened where it has affected me mentally definitely um no definitely especially with the twins with savannah i felt like you know I, I i can still kind of work around it i did feel very overwhelmed with savannah because it was my first but i wasn't um as overwhelmed with so many screams or like in the house with the twins and with savannah now i do feel myself sometimes feeling this is too much for me. I don't know how to handle this. And then I have to call my mom or I have to call Daniel and say, listen, can you come back from work? Because I really am not handling this very well today. Do you feel guilt for for saying that you can't handle it for not being the perfect mom? Rachel said herself, she she admits to not being the perfect mom. But there's like this kind of expectation that you should be. Yes, yes, yes. Mom guilt was something I struggled with for probably the first three years of being a mom. So I'm in my fourth year now and I feel like I'm giving myself a little bit more slack. But I had so many um, expectations that I had to reach with Savannah. So I told myself, you have to breastfeed for over a year or breastfeed until the baby doesn't want to breastfeed anymore. The baby only needs to eat organic food, organic clothing. It was crazy. No TV, no iPad quality time, um, wooden toys, no plastic toys. Like it was crazy. The, the amount of stuff that I told myself to do was overwhelming. And I just got to a point, I, I, I didn't even want to buy jars of food if we were out. I would want to go back home because I didn't have food for my baby because I didn't want to give jarred food. Like it was crazy. The stuff that Where did I, that come from? Was that peer pressure or was that something that you created for yourself? No, that was me. That was me. I don't know where it came from. I cannot tell you. I do know that a lot of moms are like this. So I don't think, I don't know if it's a maternal instinct that just kicks in. 
But a lot of moms are not like that. So I don't know what made me like that. Maybe because I am a healthy person, I, I think that might be the reason. So what happened? Did you have to let go? Because I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I felt like I was going to make myself go crazy, you know, um, because I just knew that I could not reach that standard every single time something had to be done. I think things became better when I um, weaned Savannah, which was at around 13 months. But I still struggled with mom guilt probably until, I would say, 2019 at least, until I fell pregnant with the twins. Do you think, following on from that, mm. that generally motherhood is romanticized? Do you feel free now? to say, I'm having a crap day, or I don't want to be a mum today, or I'm not the best mum in the world? Yes, to all of those questions. I, I do think that it's very romanticized. I'm very happy to say that I am having a crap day and that I am really not a good mum. And I, because, I, I mean, that's just true. And I think everybody should actually just say that if that is the way it is. Don't, don't say, oh everything is just so great and I am hashtag blessed like it's not it's not the way that it is you know so well I love you Melissa that you have brought this to empowered mm -hmm. and hopefully this will empower other women to be able to feel free to say yes. you know what today I'm not a great mum yeah and today I really struggled to not lose my temper or yeah. whatever it is mm -hmm. but if you could pass on a wise word to a first-time expectant mum, what would it be? Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just take it as it comes because people even put pressure on their birth story, uh, the way that the birth should be. I can promise you that probably 80% of all births do not happen the way that you think in your head it will happen so you mean no zen music and a water bath and yes that was everything was me i i wanted to have a water birth i wanted to have essential oils burning i wanted to have music i even went to a special hospital where i could go and do that and i ended up lying down on the bed giving birth like that so and the the, the bath was right next to me and it was empty the thing is it didn't work out the way i wanted it with the twins i had to have a cesarean and that's not the way that i wanted it to be I, I feel like people put too much pressure on themselves from the get-go and I feel like it's, it's pointless. Just take it in your stride and take each day as it comes. I love that. Mm. That's really good advice. Mm -hmm. We could talk for ages about mm -hmm. being a, a, a mum or a new mum or, or the role of being a mother, but I also want to talk to you about being, well, I'm going to try to avoid saying a social media influencer. Let's say a blogger, because okay. <laughs> you have a website, islandmama.com, mm -hmm. and you can be found on Instagram under the same title. Mm -hmm. So I was going back through your Instagram posts over the last five years. Mm -hmm. I, I went through the whole lot. <laughs> and your emphasis has really changed. You started yeah. in 2016 when you were first expecting your daughter, mm -hmm. and most of the posts were about your bump. And then there was a period of, there were a lot of posts about your food. Mm -hmm. There was one point where you didn't want any photographs of your children's mm -hmm. faces. Mm -hmm. And then you put the emphasis back on you, mm -hmm. often with the kids, uh, but an awful lot about life, whether it's mm -hmm. swimming, sailing, uh, cooking, eating, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How 
did you move through the role of just going on to Instagram and just having a website and then into that situation where you are an influencing blogger? Back in the day, I think I, I just found out I was pregnant with Savannah. That's where I sat down the one day and I thought to myself, I think I'm going to just open a page where I can just communicate with like-minded people, people who are pregnant, people who are moms, people who are interested in healthy cooking. I just wanted to be able to chat with people who has the same interests as me. Uh, I didn't have any friends on the island who had kids at that point, not even in South Africa. So I kind of felt lonely um, in that aspect. And I felt like the best way to connect with people was through Instagram and just uh, write about my own life on my website. And then obviously you could see my bump and um, Savannah was born. And then right after I had Savannah, I just went through a massive, uh, you know, health kick. So uh, after I had Savannah, I went through a massive health kick where I was just really interested in vegan cooking. And I just really wanted to, you know, make all of these vibrant creations. Um, and that went on for probably a good year and a half after I had her. And um, then I don't really even know what kind of made me shift where I started showing myself more. I think actually a few people said they wanted to see the face behind the food. I think it was something like that. Um, and then I decided, okay, I will post a little bit more about myself. And I feel like that's when it started to kind of take off a little bit more. Not a lot, but people felt like now they can actually talk to a person and not just see food. Well, you say not a lot, but you have 15,000 followers on Instagram alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite a lot. I mean, that, that's a fair share uh -huh. because your, your narrative is I am a mum yeah. with kids mm -hmm. in a foreign country mm -hmm. and I'm healthy and this is my life. Mm -hmm. So you're not a pop star or an actor or anything like that. You, you're telling a true story. Yeah, the nice thing about this is the fact that the majority of people following me are mothers themselves so and they share common interests with mine so that's something that I really do like um, I'm not here for a big number of followers I'm here to connect with people and that's why I say sometimes I feel like I, I, I don't even like the word influencer because for me this is just my little platform where I can actually connect with people who are exactly well not exactly but like-minded you know okay so I appreciate the fact you don't like the term influencer mm -hmm. <laughs> But you do influence people. I, I, I don't know why, but I struggle a bit with like actually thinking that. But it's probably... Well, I mean, you get people asking you to do things. And I have no doubt that you only represent brands or products or stories that you strongly believe in. Because you are a very principled woman, which is the best kind of marketing. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, social media marketing social media influencers are a viable means of marketing it's absolutely mm. true uh, for yourself and for the brands that you work with mm. so do you see that part of it as a job as something that you do uh, as a career i do see it now as a job um i didn't see it as a job um maybe two years ago because I I even told people I said to them this is a hobby of mine um, I only want to work with brands that I believe in which I still do and that's something that I really do feel very very strong about because I feel like the only type of people I actually do want to follow would be authentic people you know you can see when someone is authentic and when someone is not I've probably worked with a brand or two that afterwards I felt like 
um, I don't really know if that was me. And I felt bad about it. Um, and I just knew that this is not something that I would ever um, do again because I want to, I want to represent uh, my authentic self, you know, so. Well, that's one do and don't. Mm -hmm. What are the other do's and don'ts for you in your role within social media and within influencing people? That's actually something that I really need to think about. Um, don't. I would definitely say not to be too negative, especially on my page. I don't like to be too negative, even if I do feel strongly about stuff, because I I can get very passionate if I um, if I believe in something. But um, no one wants to, you know, just see negativity. So I, I try and focus on being as positive as I can. Sometimes there can be things that I really feel strongly about and that I want to kind of put it out there. Social media means that everyone can have a stab at being some kind of influencer. Mm -hmm. I know you're not keen on the word, but <laughs> okay. I mean it with a small I, not a big okay. I. Is it something anyone can do? Or is there a criteria to being a good influencer? You yourself talked about the fact that you stumbled across it and you didn't intend to do yeah. what you do. But everybody seems to want it. It's, it's weird because it seems like everybody wants to be popular then, if that makes sense. So I think anyone can be an influencer if you are just yourself. So which are the, the people in the media, in the public eye, in, in social media that you particularly look up to or follow or admire? I love Earthy Andy. I don't know if you know who she is. So she is a mom of three boys, surfing boys in Hawaii. She's plant-based, so I love her. Um, and then uh, Lonnie Jane, also a plant-based mom in um, Australia. So those are the two that I really, really love. Um, and then there's a few others as well. Um, but I would say those two actually stand out to me where I just, I, I, I like what they stand for. You know? Has that influenced you in the way that you communicate outwards? Um, not completely, but definitely to somewhat of a degree, yes. I think especially Earthy Andy, because I became plant-based when I started following her page. So, yeah, that's definitely... Then. That's a huge She's an influencer. Influence. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to what you do, and we discussed it being now more of a job, mm -hmm. does that mean that there is a pattern to how often you post? Is there a, a magic Melissa formula? So you have to do it this number of times a week, and you have to talk about this, and you have to make sure that you've got, you know, 10 stories up all at the same time? Not at all. Not at all. I, I, I'm sorry. I just cannot be bothered. Like for me, I've got like three kids to think about. So to think about, I need to post at eight o'clock tonight because my engagement will be high. I, I honestly don't care about that. If you like me, you'll probably go on my page. If you see a new photo, go and like it, you know, but I can't be bothered if you're going to see it in your newsfeed at eight o'clock at night. Um, to me, it's not important. They, but you don't have a, a formula. You don't have something written down. Make sure no, you do this and that. And the I other. have absolutely no formulas. I do know which days I do get more engagement. You can go and check that. So I know, okay, for instance, a Sunday, my engagement is quite high. Probably people are more on their phones. But I can't, if I want to have a Sunday with my family... I'm not going to pick up my phone and post at 8 o'clock on a Sunday. You so know. then what motivates you to post? 
listen, I still do get jobs. I, I definitely don't only po post for jobs. But when I do get jobs, I'm going to, I, I'll be motivated to post about it, you know. But what motivates me is if I just live my life with my family and I've got photos to post about what we did this weekend. So we went on the boat, we went diving. I love the photos that we took when we, when we dove. So I posted that. So that motivates me because my family life is what motivates me. And you can probably see that's all I post about. Even though I went through a period where I didn't want to show my, um, my kids' faces, I really struggled with that um, because my life, even the my name, Island Mama, is my children. Well, you want to talk about your own personal story and you, you shy away from the term influencer and that's all really, really good. And, and you've said, you know, there are real parts to, to it that are a job. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, do you think that we as the world today takes social media too seriously? I think the emphasis on it is maybe a bit too big. I feel like um, we are stuck in front of our phones most of the time and we are constantly checking likes and follows and reading up on Facebook about whatever's news and whatever the case might be I think that we are in front of our phones too much and I'm guilty as well and I've struggled to actually juggle between when I should actually pick up my phone and when I should just be with my family because the phone is right next to you and then a notification comes up oh, I wonder who that is, you know, and then you pick it up. And I've had to switch off my notifications even because I want to be more aware of how much time I actually spend on my phone. So I do think that the emphasis on it is maybe a bit too big, but it's also, there's a lot of good that comes with it as well. Last question. What are the, your words of advice for women engaging in social media, both young and and old, whether they're posting or whether they are absorbing social media? I think you need to really be careful as well with, with social media because, I mean, it sounds very cliche, but what you see is not always true. And that even goes for my own life because I'm not going to show you when I had a fight with Daniel, for instance. I will keep that private so people can maybe look at my life and be like, oh, wow, she's got three cute kids and a husband that loves her very much. But everyone has their own struggles. Everyone behind their profile has struggles. No one has flawless skin. I use filters on my Insta stories, but I also make a point of it not to always use it because I don't want people to think that I've got flawless skin and then they meet me in person and then it might be a completely different story. So people need to understand that it's not 100% real. So what is it? It's a highlight. It's a, it's a highlight of people's life. That's basically what it is. And people don't actually think about that when they look at the phone. They just always end up comparing themselves. And I felt victim to this many times where I would compare myself to other people. You just end up feeling really bad about yourself. What did I do? I ended up unliking or unfollowing so many of those profiles because I didn't want to feel crap about myself. I think that's absolutely terrific advice. Mm -hmm, you and should talking to you today for empowered has been very very empowering island thank mama you. melissa gat thank you so much for being with us thank you it was great to be here well thank you for being so honest open and just saying the things that need to be said awesome it was really good to be here thank you for having me